0: The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're
1: listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both well,
2: you, the
0: crazy,
1: Both Mike Jones and John
2: Bryant. What's going on everybody? We are back. with another week. Another episode. Jonesy and Brown. JB, I don't know if you can see. Mm -hmm. I I got my Black Eagle shirt on today. Mm -hmm. It's black. It's funeral time.
3: Are you having a funeral for our beloved Philadelphia Eagles right now? It's a a wrap. Really?
2: You're calling it a wrap
3: now? It's September,
2: bruh. They're o two and one o two and one o and three. I know you're only a half game back in the division because the division leaders are tied at what one and two. Mm-hmm. But we, this team is not a good team. No, man. no. I'm sitting here. I don't here know g- if it's fixable.
3: I don't know if it's fixable either. I, all I know is I'm watching the game with my father, and I'm telling him. I can't believe that we're about to tie the same team twice in my lifetime.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like I like it wasn't that long ago that the, the last time the Eagles tied the Bengals. How do you tie the same team twice in your lifetime?
2: I in yeah, it was what maybe 20 years ago when no, that happened? No, it
3: wasn't 20 years ago. We're talking maybe yeah. 10. No, it was more than ten. No, no. Uh, let's see. If it, it was it had, I think it 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 had to be. I got, I gotta look that up, but I I think that's that. I think we're talking two thousand. If if at the most, maybe twelve years. I moved back to Philly in two thousand eight. I believe I believe at the most, we're talking two thousand nine. But bottom line is they just tied the same team twice in my lifetime. That was a, that was, that game was just terrible. And we were talking before we went on the air. I feel like, and and this is something that, that will probably resonate with Philly people. Because I feel like the last time sports was this dismal in the city of Philadelphia was when Breakfast on Broad was on the air. And I was working on that show.
2: 2008 was the last time.
3: 2008, that was the year the Eagles tied no, the Bengals.
2: November 2008, so just short of 12 years ago.
3: Just short of 12 years ago. That was the time Donovan McNabb said in the post-game interview that he did not know the NFL games ended in ties. He said he did not know. Mm -hmm. I remember that because I was still working at Comcast Sportsnet and I was in the studio during post game live. You know, I was working in the studio at post game live and all the panelists were just living. How -hmm. can you say that? What do you mean? You did not know. know. How do you not know? Because it's not like 2008 was, was Donovan McNabb's rookie year. You know, 2008, he had been in the league almost 10 years. What year did he, he came in the league? What, 99? 98, 99.
2: 98, like 99?
3: So we're talking 10 years in the league, and you didn't know the games end could end in a tie? Now, mind you, mind you, that as bad as that game was, and I, and once again, I'm, I'm going strictly off memory because I, I don't have it in front of me. But I thought that was, that might have been the same season he was benched in Baltimore. Game in Baltimore where he was benched, but they went back to him that next week. And if once again, if memory serves me correctly, he took that team to the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there have been times in Eagles history where Things have looked bleak. Things have looked dire. And they've turned it around. That being said, uh, I I don't I, I don't
2: this know. This is gonna be
3: the one. <laughs> you don't think this is gonna be the one? Nah, this isn't the one. But nonetheless, it's just it's just it, it just feels bad all the way around for Philly Sports. And it was the Eagles losing. Well, not it felt like a loss, but it was a tie. But Eagles tying the Bengals. The Phillies needing to win just one game. They needed to go down to Tampa Bay and win one game. And they'd be in the playoffs. And with their season on the line, they get shut out. Their season on the line, their ace on the mound, they lose 5 to nothing. Mm-hmm. So the Phillies are out. Then you look at the way the Flyers ended their season. Well, Number one, this.
2: okay. Let me say this: the Phillies deserved to be out. Yeah, yeah. Phillies weren't robbed, you, you know. No, they just, not not because of that game, but because of their performance over the course of the short oh, this, season. Yeah. The bullpen, which they brought to test, they brought. The worst bullpen I've seen in my lifetime. Your life. In my lifetime, it was the worst bullpen I think I've seen. Name me another bullpen you remember that performed this badly.
1: No, nah, it's it's
3: terrible. It's terrible, and the fact of the
2: matter is, it's like
3: you, you sit here and you look at the way this season went. Aaron Nola did. He, he struggled down the stretch. But mm-hmm. when you have a bullpen, when you have a bullpen as bad as they they are, where it's like, you know, your ace is not going to pitch ace like every game.
2: But if he gets out of the game and the game is five to four, six to four, something like that, you manage to have a lead, you can't squander that lead. Mm-hmm. You can't do it.
3: But it's like, at no point in time could. With any consistency, could the bullpen pick it up for that team? No. You know, there are going to be nights when the bats aren't there. You know, there are going to be nights when the starting pitching is not there. But the fact of the matter is, throughout this whole series, for almost 60 games, the bullpen wasn't there. The bullpen was never there. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, just like you said, that's the worst. That's probably the worst bullpen I ever looked at. And and probably what makes it worse than other teams, because I'm sure if you went into the statistics, because there's been bad Phillies baseball over the last 35 to 40 years. We've watched a
2: lot of bad Phillies baseball over years. None of those teams had a bullpen this bad. None of them. Okay. Starting pitching has been significantly worse. I've seen them bring up... Lineups, positional players that have been terrible. Like these guys shouldn't be in the majors. But specifically the bullpen, mm. this was an abomination.
3: This was an abomination, but I think it, it's coupled with the fact that probably this is one of this should have been one of the strongest lineups, one through nine the, the that they've had in a long strong. time.
2: Hmm. The lineup did produce runs. Yeah,
3: but what I'm saying is but that with that games,
2: bad... like Even over mm-hmm. the last month, where they were in position a month ago, they should have gotten to these expanded playoffs. They were in position a month ago.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And many of the games over the last, say, 15, 20 games, starting pitching gets out the game with the lead. Mm-hmm. And you can count on the bullpen to give it up. If your offense is getting you four, like four runs a game, five runs. These guys aren't going out there getting shut out every night. You can't, Mm -hmm. it's not like the lineup was, you know, you're going to have some games where you score one or two runs, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, the lineup gave you four plus runs a game. Your pitching gave it up every night. And it's usually the bullpen that did it. Mm -hmm. So.
3: So, but couple that with the fact that you went out, you got Arguably the best player in baseball. Best player in baseball hits the free agent market. You were able to reel him in. Not
2: named Mike
3: Trout. No, not named Mike Trout. Okay. Argue. I said arguably. Nah,
2: it's not much of a debate. Okay. Mike okay. Trout. Okay, okay,
3: okay. But the fact still remains you one of the best players in baseball hit the free agent market.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: The biggest free agent, well, one of the biggest free agents to come out in a long time. Because that time you had you had Harper, you had Machado. But you were able to land Bryce Harper. You Mm -hmm. go out and you acquire JT Real Muto. Mm -hmm. Get Gene Segura, get Mm D.D. Gregorius, and then you got some young guys coming up through your system. You had Scott Kingery. Mm
0: -hmm.
3: You know, you had Reese Hoskins. You You have a lineup. You have a lineup, one through nine, probably one of the best, you know, the best lineup you've had since Chase, J-Roll, and Peace were in their proms. Correct. And then you march them out with a bullpen dripping in bum juice. Straight dripping, drowning in bum juice. You have Aaron Nola, who's proved to be a pretty decent ace. I'll take Aaron Nola as your ace. You got a good number two pitch, uh, number two pitcher in Zach Wheeler.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: All right, well, Velasquez. Yeah, you know, you know Velasquez. Uh, I'm done with Jake. I'm done with Jake Arietta. But still, you had you had some pieces. Alec Baum looks like he could be that dude. He could yeah, be. He could be. He could be yeah, he could be the third baseman of the future, as, especially after. Uh, especially after um, the Mikel Franco era. Yeah. Mikel Franco, you know, Alec Baum had me saying, you know, Mikel who?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You, I think you found your third baseman of the future. I feel like you have, you know, one through nine, you have your lineup. This is the lineup you're going to go to war with every day.
2: And I'm quite, quite comfortable with the lineup they had. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But now you mentioned the the Chase Utley J Roll, Ryan Howard era, Cole Hamels, even into the four aces that team. But what was the one thing you knew about that team? Mm-hmm. If they got to mm-hmm. the seventh eighth inning with with a lead, mm-hmm. lights out. Yeah, game over. Mm-hmm. Brad Lidge, what that I'm sorry, that Madsen to Lidge bridge, mm-hmm, the bridge to Lidge, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, and then lights out, lit gang. And then say what you want about Papelbaud as a person,
3: yeah, but he, he had was a still, lot of
2: saves in the Phillies.
3: Yeah, he had a lot of saves, still, you know, still one of the best closers in the history of baseball,
1: mm-hmm.
3: you know, yeah. Know that team did not reach its full potential. Know that team wasn't able to bring back a championship. But still,
2: they won a lot of games. Exactly, they got to another World Series after the first. The Mm -hmm. first win, they went back to another one and played deep into the playoffs. A couple more years after that, they were a formidable baseball team. Yes, yes. But the unsung heroes of those teams were the bullpen because Mm -hmm. you. Like, as I said, if once you got through the seventh or inning or so with a lead, you mm-hmm. could pretty much ch- chalk that one up as a W.
3: Yeah, definitely. And that's not to, and that's not to romanticize history. That's not to revise history. Yeah, you know, they're, they're, you know,
2: there was, was the World Championship hmm? year. Brad Lynch had zero blown saves. He yeah. was perfect.
3: Yeah, Brad Lynch like, was perfect. But I'm saying you go
2: past that,
3: past that World Series winning team. Mm-hmm. No, you know I'm not just talking about I'm, I'm not talking about 08 because yes your point is made about 08 can't can't deny 08 I'm talking about 09 2010 as they gradually came back to earth
1: mm-hmm.
3: but what I'm saying is even as that bullpen came back to earth it wasn't it, was cool. it wasn't it was still this bullpen
2: yeah it was still respectable that's what I, that's and, what I mean like mm-hmm. if you get to you get to those later innings. With the lead, you were still surprised if they blew the save. It wasn't like mm-hmm. like Lidge was per- like, yeah, okay, Lidge's yeah. in the game. It's over. you can turn your channel. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that every year.
3: It's like even but when even when you even if it was a situation where you if, predicted if you're the up save, six three
2: and the mm-hmm. seventh, you pretty much wrote off the win. Like, yeah, this team's gonna win. You it, it, uh, this I, year's I say- team. If you're up six three in the seventh. I'm wondering how they're going to blow
3: it. Mm-hmm. I guess the the, the point is, it's like back back in those days, it was more you could chalk up your skepticism to being an irrational Philly fan. It's like you could be like you could say, hey, you know, what? how are they going to blow this safe? But you know what? The chances are they're not going to blow the safe. You know, there were some blown saves. There were some blown opportunities in, you know, 2009, 2010, whatever, whatever. You know, it's not like the team went, you know, 162-0 and every year. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there were some bad games in there. However, it wasn't this. It wasn't the fact that you, you were scared that no league was safe with this bullpen. There were no points in this 60-game season. You know, whenever they had to the lead, you were like, Oh whenever they had to the lead and the starting pitcher left the game, you were scared. You were worried.
2: Mm-hmm. Every, like, Every this year I, team, when Nola came out the game, no matter what the lead was, I was I feared for the get the sake of that game now. Like and I had no faith in anyone coming out of the bullpen.
3: And to me, I feel like, for me, and and, and tell me if you feel the same way, because I feel like, I feel a certain way when I see a starting pitcher who came up through the Phillies' farm system. You know, it's like, okay, Nola's one of ours. We brought him in here from day one. Nola is a day one. So when you have a day one give you the, you know, give you you quality innings, a quality start, and then your bullpen gives it up, that makes you mad. Like, you know what? Yes, it pisses me off when it happens to Zach Wheeler. Yes, it pisses me off if it happens, especially if it happens to Jake Arietta, because you're not quite sure if you're gonna get a quality start out of Jake Arietta or um or Vinny Velasquez. Mm-hmm. But it's, you know, it, it hits different when it's Aaron Nola. When it's Aaron Nola, it just hits different. And it makes you angry because Nola is our guy if there's anybody when the bullpen you know you know you go jump back a couple of years ago it would bother me when the phillies couldn't score runs for cole hamels cuz cole hamels was our guy
2: that yes. was 2000 that was the year after the world series mm-hmm. world series year they that that blend was perfect you know Cole Hamels pitch they'd give him the three runs he'd need to yeah. win and we're we're good to go mm-hmm. the next year
3: the Clint next year Lee. oh the next year oh, oh 09 Cole kind, kind of struggled mm-hmm. maybe he maybe he wasn't ready to be the ace I mean, but but they but also
2: no, no, didn't no, get Cole no. the same run support he got. Yeah, there. but the, the but, but that was
3: just team. it. But that but that's my well, point. That we that would got run
2: support. But when Cole's on the mound, you didn't get
3: that. You didn't and get that. Would, that and know. that would piss me off. I would watch that, and that would piss me off because it's like, okay, Cole is our guy. Cole is the guy who came up through our system, day one. Mm-hmm. Why can you? Of uh, you know, it's like. Not to say that I would wish them not score runs for Roy or or Cliff or anybody else in their starting rotation. But it was like, how do you not score runs for Cole? Because Cole was a day one.
2: I mean, it's not like they just. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. didn't. Score. It's just yeah. how it worked out. Yeah, yeah.
3: but it, it would still. But yeah. as a fan, as you're watching, yeah, are not scoring runs. Of course, nobody thinks that's the plan. But nonetheless, it, it would still piss me off. It would still make me mad. It would piss me off when they didn't score runs for Cole. The same way it pisses me off when the bullpen will blow a a lead that Aaron Nola got you. And Fair. and. But none, but nonetheless, you know the, the the Phillies the way they ended the season, couple that with the way the Sixers ended the season, and now they gotta find a new coach, and they got, bruh.
2: You you want to talk bruh. about that? You you, you want to talk about the Sixers' coaching search? Is is that where you want to go right now?
3: I have yeah yeah let's let's go there.
2: We got I about 10 minutes to I, this
3: I, I have said I have said in my opinion because people always ask in this city people always ask when is the process dead to me I feel like the process will be the process will be over if they either win a championship or break up the core of Embiid and Simmons when they decide that, you know what, one of these two have to go. Either that moment when they break up and and Simmons or they win a championship is when I feel like the process is over. But if they bring in some of these names I'm hearing about in the papers. I say that because on Monday, we we learned that the Clippers are parting ways with Glenn Rivers. Remember mm-hmm. there's, remember there's only one doc. But we 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 part the, the clippers part ways with Glenn Rivers. So as soon as I hear that, I text my man Jonesy. And I say, Jonesy, what do you think of Glenn Rivers? And we're adding him to the name because right now it seems like the front runner for the job is Mike D'Antoni. I don't understand. I don't understand what makes that the proper choice I feel like I have I have never been this I've never had this lack of excitement over a a coaching choice of a guy who just came out of the playoffs I feel like it is obvious. Obvious that Mike D'Antoni is the wrong choice, but yet Sixers seem enamored with him.
2: Okay. Now,
3: oh, you taking the glasses off for of this one? So first, All right, let me sit back. Let me sit back and, and, and listen to this. I'm thinking I mm-hmm.
2: with Mike D'Antoni.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: That he's off awesome of genius.
3: I right, say that again. He's what?
2: The thinking with Mike D'Antoni is that he is an offensive genius. He's a Mm -hmm. very bright offensive mind. And I'm assuming that thinking is also that he may be able to unlock Ben Simmons, both with his playmaking ability and hopefully encouraging him to shoot. What do you see from a primary ball handler in Mike D'Antoni's system? Is a lot of reliance on that primary off the primary offensive player, that trigger man for his offense. Steve Nash, multiple MVPs, James Harden, former MVP, amazing, enormous numbers from all of them, from from each of them, but. What you don't see out of any Mike D'Antoni team is a an extreme focus on defense. No. You see an over reliance on the three point shot. Mm-hmm. If we're missing these shots, we're not adjusting. We're gonna keep taking these shots. That's not much different than what Brown tried to do with the Sixers. We're going to keep shooting threes No, that's not what that team is built for. So while I just spit the first part of this, explaining what the thinking in favor of Mike D'Antoni is, I'm not a fan of that, uh, that hire. I'm with you. I don't think he's the right guy for the job. But we'll see you, but in the text message you sent me, you asked me how I felt about Doc Rivers.
3: It's Glenn Rivers. Excuse me, Glenn <laughs> Rivers. Uh-huh.
2: I said I like him better than Dan Tony. Okay. But
3: so let me ask you this
2: I'm, I'm not sure he, I'm not sold on him either. He, I do think he might be able to be a good fit for what the Sixers are good at doing but he would definitely have to revamp their approach to offensive basketball. I'll say mm-hmm. it that way.
3: So let, let me ask you, three name, the three biggest names that we've heard, three biggest names that we have heard are Ty Lue, Glenn Rivers, and Mike D'Antoni. One, two, and three, how would you rank them?
2: Rivers is first, Ed Tony's second. Lou gets an incomplete.
3: Lou gets an incomplete. Lou is the one guy on that team that – on. Lou is the one guy on that list who's won a championship. How is Lou incom- incomplete? Just explain that.
2: Because I don't know what Lou could do with – without the best player in the league. And mm. hey, let's be honest the guy who considering both ends of the court is usually not even close to the gap between him, him and number two player in the league. Like LeBron is definitely, he dominates the league right now. There hasn't been any, since once Kobe got to a point where he was no longer in that conversation for best player in the league, It's a couple seasons where Durant made it interesting. But LeBron's the best player in the league. Mm -hmm. And that team Ty Lue coached to a championship. And he did coach them to a championship. Mm -hmm. Was constructed to be a championship roster. A built around the best player in the league. Another number one overall pick. And a third number one overall pick that was flipped into Kevin Love. So you've got three number one overall picks to build with. Mm -hmm. That's not a situation you're going to walk into with pretty much any other team. Sixers come close, I guess, but you don't have the best player in the league. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if Ty Lue was the guy who could take a team to the next level. That's why I say he gets an incomplete.
3: Of those three, I would, I would say, which one would you disagree with the most? D'Antoni. D'Antoni. Mm-hmm. No, I, 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 yeah, he's the guy
2: I absolutely don't want.
3: No, I. I. I, I agree. I agree, and I just feel like, to me, that couldn't be more clear. I'm not I, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, so I'm not going to sit up here and be like, oh man, they want to kill the process, they're mad that the is tanked all those years and now they're trying to sabotage or whatever. But I just feel like, you know what, you jacked up what you did it for. This is the ultimate move in which you jacked up why you went through this process, why now, you went through the last couple of years. This is the you process
2: know, got jacked up when they were forced to replace Hanky with Colangelo, yep. who has a history of building slightly above average teams. Mm-hmm. That's that's Colangelo's track record. He builds slightly above average teams,
3: and that's what he and and that, and that's what he did, and I feel like. I feel like people people misconstrue the process and what it was about. And I feel like there's an aspect of the process that does not get enough attention. It's a term that Sam Hinkey used that I feel like does not get enough attention when you talk about what the process was. And it was a term optionality. It wasn't just losing on purpose. It was about acquiring pieces, taking chances on pieces, and getting rid of those pieces in a fashion that gives you options to then further build your team.
2: You know, it was it was. I'm with you. Hold that thought, though, JP. Let's take a quick break, and we can pick it up right
3: on that okay. side. Okay, definitely, definitely. Let's take, let's take a real quick break, and then we will be right back on Jonesy
0: and Brown. You feeling this podcast? To hear this and more, go to soundcloud.com slash Sports. or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. Brown. Brown.
2: I'm Brandon Graham from the Philadelphia Eagles. Every day during the COVID-19 pandemic, our
0: frontline workers are out there serving us. Bus drivers and grocery clerks, sanitation workers, police, firefighters, and healthcare workers. They're taking care of us. Now let's take care of them. Wear a mask when you go outside. Protect yourself and protect others too. We can do
2: this. Let's mask up, Philly. Help stop the spread.
0: If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're
2: listening to Jonesy and Brown. Both you are crazy. Both Mike Jones
3: and John Brown. we are back on Jonesy and Brown. He's Jonesy i'm brown once again you can join in the conversation make sure you check us out every week on facebook that's where we record the show that's where you can jump in the conversation and then make sure you download the podcast anywhere you get your podcast from we on uh, soundcloud we on apple google uh anchor itunes uh, what else uh, Spotify we even on YouTube every now and then I just gotta I always gotta remember to upload it to YouTube that's, that's my problem I always forget about YouTube and I, and I shouldn't YouTube can't get any love yeah. it's, a pro- it's like you know people show us love people watch the podcast people check us out and I appreciate it but I I, I absolutely forget to uh I I forget to do you. And it's like, we can't afford to like, to like disregard any media. We ain't in a position, you know, we ain't, we ain't Stephen A. Smith out there. You know, we ain't Max Kellerman. We ain't people out here with podcasts. with got to get like 10,000 listens every week. I'm happy for the listens that we get. I'm happy for the people that check us out and we could use, you you know, however you choose to listen to us. I appreciate that. But I absolutely forget about YouTube almost every week. On my it, it, it's my, you know, and, and shout out to people who listen to us on Lance J, Ra- uh, Lance J Radio too, because once again, I, you know, we appreciate that. You know, all right, wh- where were we? We were talking about we were talking about the state of Philly sports. That's where we live. That's you know, those are the teams that we cheer for. We were talking about how bad it has gotten. We were talking about how it has not been this bad for all four sports. And, and and mind you that we're talking about how bad it has gotten in all four sports despite the fact that two of the four major sports in this city made the playoffs. Flyers were a playoff team. Flyers were number Three. one seed in the Eastern Conference.
2: Three were playoff teams in the last.
3: Oh, yeah, yeah, yes.
2: Yes, Eagles were in the last playoff. They Eagles were in the playoff. In the yes, playoff.
3: they don't look like a playoff team today.
2: Mm-mm.
3: They don't look yeah. like a playoff team now. But nonetheless,
2: Sorry, Carson Wentz went down the first couple minutes of this game, and
3: and, and they ain't been and right the since.
2: Sixers didn't win a game. The Flyers they made a good effort. They were actually a...
3: won a. They won a series, got to the second round, and mm-hmm. and, and and that was a different story. They were the number number one seed lost in the second round of the playoffs, though.
2: But they were a number one seed a little different than it would have been probably if they had finished a regular season. They're still the playoff team. You finished the regular season.
1: hmm But
2: the way that the bubble worked with the round robin, the Flyers came in at the four seed, and because they were hot during the round robin, they ended up as the number one seed. Mm-hmm that that wouldn't have worked the same way had they had a regular season in of normal fashion mm. to complete. So that number one seed has an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Well not the playoff appearance or not the playoff results. Just the number one seed you have to take with a grain of salt.
3: Agreed. Agreed. So we were talking we were talking specifically about the sixes. Mm-hmm. Where where were we? Do you remember where we were?
2: You were discussing optionality. Optionality. I
3: feel like the pro- I feel like that is something that people get wrong. Like I've heard people in their commentary about the sixes and how they got to the point that where they are now, and they feel like the process was just about losing games on purpose and i feel like tanking, that, for tra- tanking for draft picks like like primer, like i will give you i'll give you an example i i heard steven jackson talk about this once and the context of his comments were he said he wouldn't know how to tank he's never been on a team that tanked he would not know how to tank and i felt like steven jackson doesn't get it It's not about losing. It's not necessarily about losing on purpose. Because you and I, as Sixers fans, we watched games throughout the process. And at no point in time did did I think like, well, I'll, I'll put it to you like this. Very few times during the process did I feel like the effort was not there. Like you got when you watched process games of the Sixers, you got twelve guys giving it their all. Mm-hmm. The 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 process, but the process was those twelve guys giving it their all were not twelve guys that necessarily belonged in the NBA. You know that that's that's the point. It, it's not like hey, we want you to come in here and purposely be bad. Like, we want you to come in here and give it your all. But the fact of the matter is, you know what? We want you to give it your all. But the truth is, there's probably little chance that you would ever make an NBA roster. Mm -hmm. And, And as you went out there with 12 guys that might not belong on an NBA roster, you know, they were giving it their all. So, you know, you were going to lose games and you were going to put yourself in a... You are going to put yourself in a position to get a high draft pick. Mm-hmm. You hope that in that, in that process, you might find a guy or two who might be a diamond in the rough. Somebody who uses that opportunity who says, Hey, you know what? Here is my opportunity to get on in an NBA game. To get tape of me that where I can, you know. I might not have this opportunity anywhere else. Let me use this chance to prove myself to be an NBA player. And you had some, you know, you had some guys. That's why Jakar Sampson was able to stay in the league. Jerrion Grant was able to stay in the league. T.J. McConnell was able to stay in the league. Robert Covington was able to stay in the league. They took the opportunity to say, hey, you know, here's a team looking to rebuild and put themselves in a position to get high draft picks who's giving opportunity to guys who probably would not get an opportunity with any other team. And in, you know, in in exchange for, hey, let me give it their all, these are people who endeared themselves to the city who endeared themselves to a passionate fan base. All
2: right. I hear you. Okay. <laughs> I
3: saw I that smile. I saw that smile. So I feel like you are about to go in because you are nice.
2: So here's the thing. Okay. In theory, I understand the process. I'm not opposed to the process. I'm not a process hater. But the execution of this process in retrospect, it was severely flawed. Okay. And I mean that from the fault pick mm. okay. to the Tobias Harris trade to the Tobias Harris contract, letting Jimmy Butler go, mm-hmm. bringing in Al Horford um, I'll be honest. At the time, I was on one of the local radio stations in Philadelphia mm. right prior to the Ben Simmons draft, and I questioned drafting him as well. Okay, not because of his talent, but because of the basketball fit. I was in favor of trading back to number two with the Lakers and letting them have number, the number one pick.
1: And, and who, who
2: would you have taken? Pick. Same person that went number two anyway. It they'd just had We'd have had Brandon Ingram, they'd have had Ben Simmons at number one, and we'd have had some extra stuff to go with it. Is he tra- in order to trade mm-hmm. back or let them trade up, they'd have to give you some extra stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about what the, the basketball player Brandon Ingram has developed into, what you saw from him this season. If you're going to have Embiid as a centerpiece, mm-hmm. that's a be- that is a better basketball fit. Mm-hmm. Not that he's a be- better or more talented player than In- than Ben Simmons. I understood that Ben Simmons was the number one pick that year. I would have easily considered trading back the number two. Get some extra assets and a better fit for the team. Bring- the pieces that this team has, all t- although talented, they just... Don't seem like they're well thought Mm out.
3: Bringing in, I think bringing in Ingram, drafting Ingram over Simmons would have made more sense of the Fultz pick, because when you bring in Fultz, you know you bring you're bringing in Fultz to be a point guard, not the not the you know not the two guard with handle. You bring in you bring in Fultz with Ingram, and NB. Fultz is now, Fultz is now, the. Fultz is now the primary ball handler. Ingram makes.
2: Well, I'm also on record to say I just didn't want Fultz either. Mm-hmm. I just didn't want.
3: So so, but I would, that, ma- would three,
2: that make would that make more sense? Limit three. I didn't even took Lonzo ball over Fultz. I just okay. didn't want Fultz. Okay. I didn't think he Would you have you taken know how I am about point... You know how I am with yes. point guards. Okay. And you show me any college point guard whose team did not make the tournament was 14 and 14 mm-hmm. and then look and see how they did in their NBA career. A good college point guard in the way the college basketball game is guard dominated. Mm-hmm. If you're a pro point guard, your team wins games. Mm. You might not win the tournament, but your team you probably games. makes it to the tournament. Yeah. Now, had they been like a, a 20 and 9 team that didn't make the tournament, a 19 and 10 team that doesn't make the tournament, okay, I get that. 14 and 14 and really don't deserve a tournament birth at all. Nah, I I I have issues with that with you mm-hmm. as my point guard. So I wasn't sold on faults from the start either.
3: So would you have gone with so so? Say all right. Once again, we're 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 talking hypothetical.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Because the 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 fact of the matter is, this once again brings me back to my point. Hinky ran the the Hinky process was built on optionality, not necessarily tanking. Mm-hmm. It was okay acquiring pieces and as you find the as you move the pieces to figure out what fits you're moving the pieces in a way that brings you more options
2: and, and what i feel an like additional assets more options exactly and what i said to you earlier the process died when Pinky was forced out and colangelo was brought in because now you lack cohesiveness in the way you're looking to execute this vision you went from let's be honest, Hinky who was all about we're gonna do this this way and it's gonna be what it is. I'm assets are assets. I'm not attached to anything to so Colangelo who is he has a lot of longstanding relationships in the NBA, mm-hmm. which was the One thing I do think Henke neglected was that you do have to maintain relationships with players and agents in order to be successful in this league. Henke went the complete opposite way. But Colangelo, he has his guys and guys he likes, and those aren't necessarily the guys that will win you a championship.
3: Okay. Okay. Now, I, I guess to me, I feel like to to your point, once Hinky was out and Colangelo was in and Colangelo and to an extent, to a further extent, Elton Brand, once he took over the team, they made deals that took away optionality. Mm hmm you know you trade you know you trade assets to bring in a Tobias Harris but it's not like you brought back in draft picks where you could say okay you know what maybe Tobias Harris is not a fit here but we got A B and C to keep on building you know like probably probably the best move and the most and I'm throwing up the air you know, the air quotes for the people listening to this podcast. Probably the most process move of the process was how it started. The process did not start with Ben Simmons and Joel and B. The process started with Michael Carter Williams and Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. And once it became obvious that Mark Michael Carter Williams and Nerlens Noel could not play together, they got rid of Michael Carter Williams, and they got rid of Michael Carter w- Williams in a way where you could continue to keep building. You trade the you know you trade the rookie of the year, but you get a you get a draft pick that you could sit on until it became a draft pick that you could really use. And,
2: but that was the hanky approach. Yeah, that was
3: yes, yes, that was the hinky approach. And what I'm saying is you you know, you compare that to the moves that Brian Colangelo made to the moves that Elton Brand made. You know, you trade young picks to bring in a veteran like Tobias Harris. You trade young players like a Dario Saric and a Robert Covington in a way to bring in Jimmy Butler. You know, you're what 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 Elton Brand and what Brian Colangelo did that Sam Hinkie did. They, you know, what what they did that Sam, you know, what they did not do what Sam Hinkie did was when Hinkie made a trade, he's bringing in, you know, not just a player, he's bringing in assets. Mm-hmm. Colangelo and and Brand made deals where there were no no the only asset was the player so if the player doesn't work out
2: or decides to leave
3: or decides to leave what are you left with El, you know Elton Brand made a deal you know he trades he dra- he trades Dario Sarge he trades Robert Covington to bring in a Jimmy Butler but what happens when Jimmy Butler does not want to sign here? You're left, you know, holding the, you know, you're you're left holding the bag. You know, Elton Brand made a deal where he got something. He ended up I mean, getting something. You know, he gets Josh Jimmy Richardson Butler
2: deciding not to return did leave you with something. It left you with enough cap space to sign a high level player. So you you that isn't is in itself an asset in the NBA. Having mm-hmm. the cap space to sign someone, but they decided to spend that money on Elton Brand. Not not Elton
3: Brand. Or Tobias Steve, Harris,
2: Al Horford. Oh, yeah. Elton Brand decided to spend that money on Al Horford. Cause that because Al Horford's contract isn't small, and that money was created by Jimmy Butler's decision to to walk to to go to Miami. So it you know, if you look at it with the thinking, well, if Jimmy doesn't stay, I have money, I can sign somebody to a max contract
1: mm-hmm.
2: or close to it. That it, but to give that money $30 million plus to Al Warford, that's not money well spent, if you ask me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: I do like that the con- contract is front-loaded more than back-loaded, so... You're not stuck with that same type of thing in the final year as you are now, but it's, especially in retrospect, you have to question a lot of the moves that Colangelo and Elton Brand made with the Sixers once Hickey departed. So let me ask you this, JB. You're the Sixers right now. You're you're hired tomorrow morning. Sixers do GM. EB's out. You're in. Sir.
3: First thing I'm doing, I'm making sure you and I get the good seats. We right next to the team. We next to the old white dude. Me, You know, it's, it's old white dude, me and my man Jonesy. That's that's the first thing I'm doing.
2: But you've got a coaching search to attend to. Then I got to go to that. And you you got roster questions you got to answer.
3: That is true. Yeah,
2: yeah. Who is JB? Who are you looking at for your head coaching vacancy?
3: I probably would go different from your order. I know you went Glenn Rivers, you went Rivers, D'Antoni, Lou. Mm-hmm. I would actually probably go Lou, Rivers, D'Antoni
2: in my order. Okay. I. Now, let me be clear, none of them are the guys I want.
3: Okay. Who who do you want? Yeah, like I've I've heard none of them are the uh, guys you want.
2: Get to that. JB's the GM. Oh,
3: okay, okay, all right. Well, you I can't hire you as a consultant. Mm
2: -mm, I'm not on the market. (laughs) It's messed up.
3: It's good to know, good to know who your friends are around here, man. <laughs> it's good to know who you know. Always remember the people who are by your side when you're on the come up. Let that not be known for, for people listening.
2: Let,
3: let 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 it be known for all you know, the people watching that.
2: I'll consult all day, but exactly. Well, exercise. look, I want to pay.
3: I'm the GM of the Sixes now. You think I'm going to sit there and get your advice and then not break you off with a little bit of with a little bit of that that dough?
2: You'll get my advice
3: when the check clears. Wow, that's 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 kind of messed up. All right, I so I, I, I will remember. I, I'll remember that, Jonesy. All right, you know,
2: it's not should, personal.
3: man. It's should I, should I ask Anthony Gilbert for his advice? You know, he that, that might be my next. Uh, my toot the barber might be my 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 chief number one ex- it, 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 uh, advisor for this man. Hey
2: man, I didn't say no. I just said <laughs> cut the check.
3: Well, look, man. Look, I, I got it. It don't work that way, you know. I can't just. Get, I'm, I'm. I'm. I work for a you know a billion dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. My money is good. My word should be bond.
2: Cut the check. Wow. So anyway, mm-hmm. you're the Sixers GM. Mm-hmm. Your coaching search. You you have Ty Lu at the top of your list. Okay. Okay what about the roster assuming let's assume you're able to find a trade partner for anyone on the roster you can get it done who would you look to move who are you looking to retain Do you ret- are you looking to keep the roster the same going into next year what's the play tie lose your coach you want to give them the best unit to work with what are you looking at
3: I would probably, I feel like now you're you're putting me in you're you're putting
2: me in Oh yeah I'm putting uh, you on the spot. I'm, no, it's not I'm, even that
3: putting, I know. It's, it's, no no you're not even putting me on the spot. You know, you're putting me in a position where it's like um you're you're putting me in a, a position where I, I feel like now I'm not even a coach you know, excuse me, I'm not even a front office guy. I'm like a a talk radio caller now. Because it's like where would I be, um where would I go? I would I would probably look to move Horford, but I don't know who would take that contract. I don't know who would take that contract and give up pieces that could help this
2: team. What what I'm not, kind of pieces would you be looking for?
3: One is, I feel like this team this team needs shooters. I feel like the biggest the biggest thing this team needs this team needs a starting two guard. This team desperately needs a starting two guard. Whether or not you you know whether or not the next coach of this team wants to put Ben Simmons at the one or at the four is another point. Because whether he plays the one or whether he plays the four, you know that Ben Simmons, when he's on the court, will probably be the, the primary ball handler. But this team needs a shooter. This need this team desperately needs, especially if you're going to keep Joel Embiid, You need somebody who can space the floor. You need somebody who can hit a shot. You need somebody who can hit a shot in situations that will stop a run. Like they say, it's not just a saying. It's the truth. In the NBA, everybody makes a run. That's not just, you know, cliche. But you need a player, you need a two-guard who can hit a jumper that will stop a run. When another team goes on a run, when your opponents go on a run, when they, you know, you come out, you you build a lead. I feel like that's something that the 76ers have lacked, especially last season. They had no two-guard who could hit a shot. I feel like, honestly, you know what? Jimmy was good. We didn't have Jimmy for a long period of time. J.J. was good. We didn't have him for a long period of time, but still in the end, you know, like J, you know, JJ might've lost a step. Sixers have not had a two guard who could hit a shot that could stop a run since Allen Iverson. So to me, I understand that the Sixers are pretty much in a position that kind of led to the process in the sense that they're a good enough team to make the playoffs make the playoffs, which will then give them a middle-of-the-road, mid-to-late first-round draft pick. So you're not going to find, necessarily find a game-changer where the Sixers draft. But they need to find a two-guard who can hit a decent shot consistently. So if you're asking me, you know, what? that's what I need. I need somebody who can shoot. I need shooters.
2: Something... So you're looking to move Horford to five, the upgraded perimeter player. Yes,
3: but I don't know.
2: Okay. What, I don't. But
3: so if, if I, you ask me, what if you know? Somebody asked
2: you to package. No, well, from the Sixers' perspective, I'm not asking you who exactly you're bringing back. Just what type of player you're looking to bring back mm-hmm. now. If or, in order to get. the to get a deal like that done, somebody asks you, I'm gonna need you to package something with it. Cause you got you're having me take Horford's contract. Yeah. What's on the table? Is Richardson on the table?
3: Yeah. I am I would say this. I'm not necessarily where you are with this. In the sense that I know that you are at a point where you would be willing to move Embiid or Simmons, probably more Embiid than Simmons.
2: Mm-hmm. I'm that's fair. That's I a fair statement.
3: I I don't think I'm there yet, but I would say almost any. In fact, not scratch almost. I'm there with everybody else. Tobias Harris brings me in a better shooter. Okay.
2: So for you, everybody's on the table except Ben and Joe. Yes. Okay.
3: But I. T- but tell me why for you for me
2: everybody for me everybody's on the table. Everybody. Mm-hmm.
3: You're willing to move Ben. You're willing. And I, I would. I would say. Th- I ben would say might this.
2: Be the last person I'm willing to move. Why you know, is I'm Ben the be last right?
3: person you would move? In fact, you know what? You know what? Here. Real quick, let's take a real quick break, because when we come back, I want to know why. Why Ben is the last person you would move over Joel and Pete? I I personally I think I know the answer, but I want to I want to hear you explain it. So let's take a real quick break and then we will come back on Jonesy and Brown hanging out, trying to make sense of what's going on in Philly School. Again, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Jonesy and Brown. We're we're there, y'all. We didn't do it with offense, defense, and discord, but we went all out with Jonesy and Brown. Follow us on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Jonesy and Brown. And remember, download the audio from this podcast. Wherever you get your uh your podcast from. Just search Best in the World Sports. Make sure you check us out on video. Make sure you check us out on Facebook whatever uh website but we will be right back all right we'll be right back on jonesy and
0: brown all right you this podcast to hear this more go to soundcloud.com slash bitw sports or on itunes or apple Podcasts and search best in the world sports you're listening to jonesy and brown brown i'm council president daryl clark It's crucial we stop the spread of COVID-19 in Philly.
3: So follow this advice from the doctor and his friends. Stay home, keep social distancing, wear a mask when outside. Let's stop the spread.
0: Hi, I'm Julius, Dr. J. Irving. In the middle of the coronavirus outbreak, best way to show brotherly love and sisterly affection is by keeping your social distance.
3: Now more than ever, we all have to do our part to help save lives. That means, Staying at home to stop the spread. We all need to
0: do our part to save lives. You know what that means? Stay at home, stop the spread. We can do this together. If you are a Philly sports fan looking for extensive coverage of your favorite local pro and college teams, go to totalsportslive.com. Total Sports Live is your one-stop shop for all the news you need to know in the Philadelphia sports scene. Be sure to follow Total Sports Live on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. When you need to know Philly sports, get to know totalsportslive.com. The following is a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in the World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are certainly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network. You're listening to Jonesy and Brian. Both of you are crazy. Both Mike Jones and John Bryant.
2: We're back. Final segment. Josie and Brown. We're having an interesting discussion. Dave B was telling me mm-hmm. what what direction he thinks the Sixers need to go in in order to get things back in the right direction, back on track to so the you know the original tent of the process, which was to compete for championships, not just be a playoff teams stuck mm-hmm. in purgatory in, in the NBA where you're too good to get lottery picks, but not good enough to really compete. That's the worst place to be in the NBA. Mm-hmm. That was what the process was supposed to get this team out of and currently looks like they're right back there. So I was asking JB, what is teeth think needs to be done? In order to fix
3: that, mm-hmm. so now I told you, yeah. I feel like this team needs a two guard. This team needs a mm-hmm. bona fide two guard. If Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are going to be your cornerstones, you need a shooter. You need someone who can hit jump shots and get you buckets. That's what you need. So I'm at. Now, so I'm now going to take the general manager hat off I'll spray it a little bit with a little bit of disinfectant because we are in the COVID season Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to take this hat and I'm going to hand it to my man Jonesy and Jonesy's going to put it on now I'm asking you
2: what would you do as the GM okay First move I'm making. Well, since a brand is already gone, first move I'm making is my first is hiring my head coach. I'm gonna hand the reins to a first time head coach. Okay. Somebody, you know, if I have my druthers of names that might be available in a head coaching position right now, you know, of course, somebody like Jay Wright would be an interesting name, but he's removed himself from the running. I'm looking at somebody who is known for a high basketball IQ, knows how to deal with a team that has multiple talents, multiple personalities, and understands what good winning basketball is. I'm looking for Chauncey Billups. I'm going to offer him whatever he needs to try to bring him in as the head coach. Really? I'm, yeah, I'm trying to get to him before somebody like Indiana can. I want Chauncey.
3: Okay, okay. now that, that that's something I hadn't heard before. Okay, Chauncey but Billups.
2: The, the only other name that was on the market that I that had excited me was Billy Donovan. He's hmm. in Chicago now. So with Billy Donovan off the market, I'm looking to try to make Chauncey Billups the first-time head coach. Now, beyond that, I'm with you that, if possible, I'd love to move on from Horford's contract, mm-hmm. but I don't think I can get a adequate return from moving Horford without taking a bath somehow in that deal. If I'm looking at return on investment and making a trade, I've already mentioned, and I continue to mention, Embiid's the first guy I'm looking to move. Not because I don't like his I don't like his talent, but in today's in what in today's NBA, I don't need a superstar center. I need somebody who can run the floor, finish at the rim, and protect the rim. Who works hard after rebounds and plays the position. I don't need somebody who's looking to be a superstar especially if they're not out there giving max effort on every play. So for those reasons and of course me also looking for the ability to get the most in return. MVP is probably what I'm looking for, looking to move. Unlike you, I'm not looking for a point for a two guard, though I'm looking for a point guard.
1: Okay.
2: I want a true point guard and then i'd love to upgrade at the two as well but first and foremost i want somebody who really understands the spacing and everything else on offense and i'm not that i don't think ben simmons understands it but he's yet to show a willingness to do what's necessary to make it work I'm not holding my breath that he will. I'm still hoping that he will. Mm -hmm. I think he's still young enough, talented enough, with a high enough basketball IQ that at some point he should figure it out, which is why he's not the one I'm looking to trade first. But I don't want, at this point in his career, from what I've seen with him, for him to be, the the primary in my offense. Primary
3: primary ball handler. You don't want Ben Primary Sinister.
2: ball handler, primary decision maker, the guy at the top of the key with the ball. Because if you can't space the floor, the offense isn't going to function properly, period. Very. Defense is sagging off you into passing lanes, into driving lanes, making everything harder for everyone else. So until he figures out his lack of willingness to shoot, it's not much with I, I can do with him as my primary ball handler.
3: At this point, do you think that it can be coached? Do you think that a coach could come in and say, "Hey, bruh, I don't know what's going on with you, but you need to build the bridge and get over it and start shooting the ball."
2: Like, like, could this I think be coached? so? I think it's possible, but I do think you need a coach who is more of a disciplinarian than mm-hmm. Brett Brown was. Then Mike D'Antoni has shown himself to be. I This is why I get an incomplete for Ty Lue because it's these types of things. I don't know with him. What he is Because he, he had a team that didn't require it. They had a guy on the court who forced the standard of excellence from the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's who Ty Lu is or not. Those are the reasons I gave him a, an incomplete previous oh. earlier in the show. All right, let me. You know, I, I just don't
3: know. So while you still have the GM hat, let me throw a scenario out here for you. Mm -hmm. Because a name that I have heard as far as the Sixers looking to bring in is a guy like a Chris Paul. And you know, Chris Paul is somebody. Chris Paul is a point guard by trade. You know, he's he's listed Mm -hmm. as a point guard. But he's also somebody with a consistent enough jump shot that, you know, he can get you buckets if you need him to.
2: If Chris Paul gets bought out from OKC, mm-hmm. if they work out the buyout mm-hmm. and he's willing to come to Philly for cheap because he knows he's getting his money from elsewhere, sure, I'd love to pit.
3: Okay. So, but,
2: but let you're me asking me to take on that contract of a 37 year old point guard. Mm-hmm. I can't trust his health. No, nah, I don't want to do
3: it. Okay. So, but I guess my question is because I, to your point that they might need a disciplinarian. Mm-hmm. with the acquisition of Chris Paul, someone who, someone who's more of a disciplinarian yeah, on, the court, on the court. Yeah. Would, okay. would that make you, would that, would that make the need for a coach who is a disciplinarian less of a need? Like, would you take?
2: Yeah. Yes, it would. Okay. Like, we, we've seen that in NBA history. Michael Michael Jordan was the, disciplinary on the on, disciplinarian on the Bulls more so than Phil Jackson. Mm-hmm. LeBron is the disciplinarian coach on the floor on his teams, usually more so than a Ty Lue or Eric Spolstra. Mm-hmm. Now, with post-LeBron, has shown himself to be a very good coach, but everybody knows when he left Miami, you weren't sure what you were going to get because yeah. he was coaching LeBron and D Wade and Bosh and had a stacked team.
3: I feel like, I, I feel like seeing Miami in, seeing Miami back in the finals speaks to a point that I kind of made once LeBron left Miami once LeBron left Miami to go back to Cleveland, Cleveland was able to build a team around LeBron that was able to get to the finals and at least one time win a finals. But I felt like when LeBron left Miami, I'm like, okay, I trust Pat Riley to build a championship team around my, uh, uh, I bu- I trust Pat Riley to build a championship team more than I trust anybody in Cleveland. Yes, Cleveland was able to win because you had LeBron James. You had LeBron James, and you had Kyrie Irving, who you know, despite you know what what you think about the. the
2: no, Kyrie Irving is a very talented basketball yes. player, and he's a very effective. He's player.
3: no slouch. I understand that you it, have.
2: He's playing off the ball, playing two guard like he was when they won a championship because yes. LeBron took over the ball handling duties. Kyrie's dangerous. Yeah, I just don't like him as the point guard. Yeah,
3: but what I'm what I'm saying is Ty, Kyrie Irving ain't garbage. Yes, there, there, yeah, there are holes oh, no. in his game. There, there are things that you can point out that you might not like about Kyrie Irving's game. But Kyrie Irving ain't trash, and the fact that so it's like okay, you get that, and then you're able to flip a number one pick who was pretty much a bust for Kevin Love. You know
2: those. You
3: know those. Those are no, given.
2: Wiggins was at that point. That was the year Wiggins. Got oh, you know, drafted. I'm, I'm, I'm bugging. You're thinking about Bennett.
3: Yeah, I'm thinking about Bennett. I'm sorry. You're, no, you're you're, you're absolutely no, right. Well,
2: they had that Bennett pick too. Yeah. But yeah.
3: That, that's who I'm thinking. When I when I say a bust, I was Wiggins thinking Bennett. Not, was bust, I was when I when I said a when I said a first round pick who was a bust, I'm thinking Bennett, not Wiggins. And I and I, I, I apologize. So that's for
2: that. what I mean. LeBron went back to a team that had a lot of talent and a lot of high yeah. draft picks around. Yeah. But he didn't go back to an empty cover in Cleveland.
3: Yeah. But in the end but my my, my whole point was you know there were still a lot of question marks to me mm-hmm. i'm like if you're thinking if you're thinking that miami had run its course that miami after now losing to the spurs needed to retool and rebuild if you're looking at a team rebuilding i had more faith in pat riley leading that rebuild than anybody i had in cleveland and now that you know you take a couple of years Mm -hmm. And it's like it's not like Miami fell off to the Miami fell off without LeBron to the point like Cleveland fell off without LeBron. Cleveland, you know, Cleveland, Cleveland without LeBron now twice has now become a lottery team.
2: But now to be fair, Mm -hmm. Miami is a much better free agent destination than Cleveland is. There are no state income taxes. True. And it's Miami. True. Versus playing state income taxes in Cleveland. But, but you look at the team. If I'm a free agent. Where, where do you think I'm going? If you're a free agent, where do you think you're going?
3: Don't make me choose between Cleveland and Miami. But I mean, I Cleveland see. I see what you're saying, though.
2: Income taxes or Miami and no state income taxes. Okay. Don't forget that, because when you're talking millions of dollars, you could lose a big chunk of your salary paying state income taxes.
3: True, 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 true. But not, but, but in the end, I feel like all right. The fact that now we're talking what, and it's because it's not like Miami completely fell off without LeBron. Miami was still a playoff team. Mm -hmm. They, they were able to bring D. Wade back into the fold, be a playoff team to the point where now they got Jimmy Butler, and now they're back in the finals. Where's Cleveland? And that speaks to the point where it's like you look what you look what Pat Riley has done. That's why I originally said when LeBron left when LeBron left Miami, I trust Pat Riley. But if you're looking,
2: I have to go back to miami's able to attract free okay. agents like jimmy butler to come play there
1: mm-hmm.
2: they're a, a, able to attract a gordon Dr- gordon dragon who's an underrated point guard in this league mm-hmm. they're able to do things like that At no point in any off season except when lebron james was there has cleveland ever been talked about as a destination free agents might choose Regardless of how much cap room they have. They could have all, all the cap room they want. You're never thinking about anyone choosing Cleveland to go play there. Okay. Never. Agree. You can't name one time except when LeBron was there that you had that thought. Yeah, he might go to Cleveland this year.
3: All right. I I so, I hear what you yeah. I hear what you're saying. I, so I, yes,
2: I do trust Pat Riley. He's shown an ability to build winners repeatedly. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that having spent a large chunk of in his of his career in L. A., New York, and Miami gives him a little bit of an edge in that department <laughs> as well.
3: Are you saying he he knows how to choose a spot where to uh, build his career around? You know, he absolutely started in L. A., went to if New I'm York. I'm in a
2: place where nobody wants to come play. It's going to be hard to build a team and mm-hmm. get guys to come play there. That's just how NBA NBA players, especially.
3: Okay. Now that being said, now, now now that being said, and I, and I understand we're we're kind of switching gears before we get out of here because we are coming up on the NBA Finals, and the NBA Finals mm-hmm. are set. It's Miami, and it's Miami and Los that, Angeles from the bubble.
2: The Lakers, not not the Clippers, the Lakers mm-hmm. of Los Angeles. Now look. I I I got to do
3: this and I and I got to do this and I do this in respect to the fact that I understand that you kind of you acknowledged this on the last show. Yes,
2: the, I picked the Clippers Yes, they Who'd you pick apart the Who who'd you
3: pick the Clippers over?
2: I picked the Clippers to beat the Lakers.
3: No, you picked the No, you you picked the in the finals. You picked the Clippers over the Celtics in the finals.
2: Mm-hmm, I did.
3: Yeah, you're over you're over for 2 on that one
2: there, chief. I, I am. That's what happened.
3: You picked the Clippers over the Celtics. What do
2: you want me to say? I
3: don't want you to say nothing. I want to sit here and enjoy this moment. That you got it wrong, brother. That's what I want to do.
2: The, the Clippers choked and, and Miami's overachieving. They're only the third, seed, third, fifth seed or lower in NBA history to make the finals.
3: Okay, so real quick, because we're we're actually up against time. Like, we're we're here in Philly, Philly, the the, the king, the, the 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 worldwide capital of second guessing. We're all, you know, a lot of fan, you know, a lot of fans second guess. So. As we're sit, as Philly fans are sitting here watching the finals with a team that has been out of the playoffs now for it feels like two years. You know, we talk, you know, we, we've we talked about the fact and I, I mentioned it. I can't even remember if we if I mentioned it in the show or if I mentioned it when we were talking about it before uh, we got started. But when you get swept in the first round. It doesn't feel like you were in the playoffs. It doesn't feel like the the Sixers were in the playoffs. It feels like they just played four extra games. Pretty that, much, you know that that's that, you know like the, play, the 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 Sixers didn't have a
2: playoff run.
3: They just played yeah. four extra games. They, they stayed four more. they stayed in the bubble they, they an didn't extra even two have weeks.
2: Good series, they just went out there, got swept. They yeah, went
3: home. that's not a playoff run. You know, don't call that a play. Like, yes, by definition, the Sixers were a playoff team they had a playoff run and for those for those listening and not watching on Facebook live I'm using the air quotes here I'll, I'll, that was the air quotes hitting the microphone but that was really just four extra games that's all that was but nonetheless you're watching the two guard that you traded two at uh, two young two young players for we talked about the Sixers in the in uh, the process a couple of minutes ago. You trade Dario Saric and you trade Robert Covington. A guy you drafted high and a guy that a diamond in the rough that you that transformed himself into a player. To get Jimmy Butler, who then comes in and says, "You know what, man, I'm good." He comes in, sees the landscape of this team and says, "You know what y'all, I'm 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 good on this squad." Trade them, you get a, you know, you, you trade them, you you get, you free up some cap space, you get a player in Jason Richardson or excuse me, or or Josh Richardson.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You trade him, you get Josh Richardson, you get some cap cap space. Uh, real quick, shout out to my man uh, Roger who just hit me up, who's watching the show. Shout out to Roger. Um, but in the, he's now in the finals, so you're now sitting there looking like okay. And the easy explanation is Jimmy Butler looked at this team, looked at the, the guy that we had at point guard, looked at the coach and was like, you know what, I'm good. Went to another team and then took that team to the finals. My question to you is, is this really that, you know, Jimmy Butler went to a better situation or, Or is Miami just overachieving? Because you used the word overachieving a couple seconds ago. You said overachieving.
2: I just think he went to a better situation than he was in in Philly because he's with guys that actually want to win more than they want to be superstars. Okay. But I do think this team is overachieving. You've never – the type of – and not just the ability to put up points – but in the moments that he's doing it you don't expect Tyler Hero to perform like this as a rookie. You that's not something you see. Like basketball is generally known as a grown man's game. Rookies in the playoffs they usually show their age and show the need for like they show the need for development improvement even though you'll see flashes of out of them many times like the potential for this dude, Tyler Hero, is out here every night playing like a seasoned vet. He has no fear in him. His teammates believe in him. And he's showing up in the biggest moments of games for his team. Mm-hmm. So, I love his name, Mason Rudolph, I believe. Yeah. That is lights out from the outside, making shots. Another young player who you didn't necessarily think would be at this point in his career, ready for the biggest moments. Yet here they are making big-time shots and big-time plays for a team that is now into the final. So Bam Adebayo, another guy who, while very talented, is also very young, he physically dominated Boston in that series. They couldn't do anything with him. Mm -hmm. So these are the reasons I say that 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 Miami overachieved. Not to mention, as I said earlier, they're only the third, fifth seed or lower in NBA history to make, to make it to the fi- finals. Mm-hmm. I guess, like
3: my my thing is with with Miami and like are how long is Miami going to be able to 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 maintain this level of play, you know they, you know they, they were able to beat Bo- they were able to beat Boston, Bo- You know they were able to beat, uh, you know they were able to get there, and, and and vanquish some teams. But the East had good teams, but the East had good teams that were flawed. They had teams mm-hmm. that had that had flawed that you can exploit. My question is, are we still having the same conversation about Miami next season? How, you know, it? can we expect, like...
2: I think next season, if we're back to regular NBA basketball where you're not in a bubble, you actually have things like travel and crowds to deal with. Some of these young teams that really showed up in the bubble, where you just have nothing but basketball, mm-hmm. may show their youth again. Okay, that's something that we just don't know. But I do absolutely believe the bubble has an effect in that manner where young talented teams just go show their talent rather than getting lost in the moment.
3: Because, mm-hmm. like, like I'll put it to you like this: Jimmy Butler was a person whose act wore thin. Almost everywhere he was at before he got to Miami, but he's able to get Miami.
2: But I will say this as well, like, but with Minnesota though, his act wore thin with who?
3: And his act wore thin with Carol Anthony Towns and Anthony Wiggins, and that says something to them. You know, uh-huh. that's some that's
2: Guys and that, that ended up speaking to them. Are, and mm-hmm. are underachieving? Mm-hmm. His act wore thin with who in Philly?
3: And Beating Simmons. I-
2: underachieving wannabe superstars. You don't have those in Miami. Okay. In Miami, you have guys that want to win. It, that team doesn't, they just go out there and make the right read, yeah. make the right play. You don't see anybody looking to be a superstar and they just go play ball and everybody makes the right read 99% of the time. Oh, okay. If you're open, shoot. If you're not, Pat, swing it. Keep it moving. They play good
3: basketball down there right now. So, my, my So, and we'll be able to get into this more when next week when we actually have NBA finals games to actually talk about. But here we are now, uh, and and I'm asking you now before the finals actually starts. What is your pick for the finals? And I'll put it to you like I have I have Lakers. i Lakers and
2: six.
3: Oh, okay. So we say, so we agree. We we're, we're on the same page. Jonesy and Brown. Lakers in I six. I think
2: the Lakers should win this. Mm-hmm. If they if the Lakers lose this, it'll be as, as big a knock on LeBron as the loss to Dallas.
3: Well yeah. Well,
2: yeah. No, this will be as big a knock as the loss this, to Dallas. The Lakers are supposed to win this one.
3: Okay. I I I I I will Well, yeah. There, there's no way with LeBron. With, with LeBron, I think anything other than four straight blowouts is going to be a knock on LeBron.
2: Like, yeah, like it, it, it could go five or six games. No, Miami's a team that's played good basketball, and they're in the finals. Unfortunately, I just need a win.
3: Unfo- well, look that—that's you because you I know
2: you. I, I just need the win.
3: You well, that's that's you. You know, you 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 fancy yourself as a basketball purist and someone who actually studies the game. I, I, I'm I'm talking about. I, I'm I'm not talking about the Mike Joneses of the world. Right now, I'm I'm, I'm moving down a couple of levels. I'm I'm talking to. I, I'm on Twitter now. I'm on NBA Twitter, where people who use every time LeBron loses as not just loses a series. I'm talking about loses
2: a game. Mm-hmm. As, and and used to knock his greatness. In- yes. Uh,
3: because, you know, the people who feel like Michael Jordan went 82-0 and every year in his career and went mm-hmm. 16-0. Every and
2: play, Every playoff round was yes. a sweet-
3: Yes. Yes. Those, those mm-hmm. guys. And you know they're out there. I understand that you're an MJ fan. But you know they're... Yeah. You know those no, 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 guys are right.
2: Those guys are out there where MJ did no wrong. Yes, never not, missed a shot. That's not, the, that's not an accurate narrative.
3: Yes. So, but but what I'm saying, you know, there there's a pocket of people who will believe that if M if if LeBron does not come out here, and 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 still, and still, nonetheless, even if they if the Lakers do win a championship this year, they'll say, hey, it was in the bubble. Hey, you know, there's going to be an asterisk. Probably more there. There will be more of an asterisk if LeBron I, I wins than if he loses. I don't
2: think they w- I think I don't think there should be. They still went through all the seven round, seven game series. I'm with you. You had, you had all the the playoffs wasn't abbreviated. Your seating was fairly accurate. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. There was no tra- travel, no true home court advantage, but the bubble presents its own t- challenges as well. Mm isolation and you know, other concerns yes. going on in the world in 2020, Agreed. so you have to be a mentally tough team Agreed. to pull this bubble experience off. I'll never say this season doesn't count as a real NBA championship. I, I
3: As a fan, and I'll, I'll put it to you like this, I said it about the Flyers and I said it about the Sixers. As a fan, I said there would not be an asterisk attached to to my team winning. Anybody else gets an asterisk. <laughs> Anybody else gets an asterisk. Sixes come out, if the Sixers had to come out of this with an NBA championship, there is no asterisk. Flyers come out of this, if the Flyers had come out with a Stanley Cup win, there is no asterisk. Anybody else gets an asterisk. But realistically, I'm with you in the fact that, yes, if if the L.A. Lakers, and I am predicting Lakers in six, if the mm-hmm. L.A. Lakers win the NBA championship, no, there is no asterisk. If anything, if they're, if you're going to put an asterisk by it, to me, I feel like, if anything, this situation was tougher.
2: Yeah. Because, I mean, you see how teams like the Clippers weren't able yes. to handle the level of Focus and discipline necessary to come out of this bubble intact.
3: You, you you look at everything that went into this went into this season, with the way they ended this season, with going to a bubble for three months. You're looking at players who have not seen their families in three months.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: You look at the, you know you you incorporate the social issues that have been going on, the political issues that have gone on. For a for whatever team to come in and to for for whatever team to come in and win a championship with that, that takes leadership. To me, this was not an easier road for whoever wins this championship. If the if the Heat are somewhere able, if they're somehow able to come out of this with a championship, they didn't have an easier road. You know, there, there were there were there were distractions that you you know, the other teams didn't have to, didn't have to deal with. Yes, you know, the problems that are the problems within the world, they're they're there. There are things that we've always had to deal with. There's always been racism, there's always been police brutality, there's all but but you look at the fact that, you know, you know, you throw in this this pandemic and everything that is going on. Mm-hmm. Hell no, you ain't putting an asterisk by a Lakers championship. Hell no, you ain't putting a championship. You ain't putting an asterisk by a Miami Heat championship. At least okay. not an aster. At least not an asterisk that would suggest that they had an easier road.
2: It was different. I'll give. If you want to say different, yeah, it was different. You didn't have, like I said, you didn't have the burdens of travel. You didn't mm-hmm. have the burdens of. Yeah, you traded yeah. in burdens for burdens. Yeah, exactly.
3: You traded in new both birds.
2: You, you traded out one stressor for another. Yes,
3: yes. But in the end, we're talking – we, we both agree Lakers in six.
2: We do. We're both saying Lakers in six.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, if I'm wrong this time, you're wrong too. <laughs>
3: hey, well, hey, look, man, we've been wrong together a couple of times. Hey, once again, I want to thank you guys for checking out Jonesy and Brown. Hey, every week, this is us. Every week, make sure you sur- you subscribe. We're everywhere you get your podcast. all right? Just search Best in the World sports. uh You can also search for us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, Jonesy and Brown. You can also search the Best in the World sports. All right? Make sure you check us out. Shout out to my man, Roger. Roger's old school Morgan State. That's my homie from Morgan State University Shout out to all the HBCUs And real quick That's why Chris Paul ain't win no playoff series That's why Chris Paul Chris Paul had all them HBCUs on his sneakers Never put on Morgan State That's why you lost Chris Paul And if you come to Philly If you come to Philly You better wear some Morgan State gear You know what I mean You better put on some Morgan State gear but nonetheless, that's another thing. Hey, thank you for checking us out. We will check you guys out next week on Jonesy and Brown right here on Best in the World Sports. Peace, y'all. You feeling this
0: podcast? To hear this and more, go to SoundCloud.com slash Sports. Or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and search Best in the World Sports. You're listening to Jonesy and Brown. friends friend. The proceeding was a production of the Lance J Radio Network and Best in World Sports, a division of Definitive Visions Multimedia. The opinions and views expressed are strictly those of the host and do not represent the views of Lance J Radio Network.